On today's episode of Back of the Bird, we're pleased to be joined by NLL Commissioner Brett Frude. Uh, we had a really great conversation uh, with the commissioner, ta- chatted about the NLL Unboxed initiative that just came out, the announcement of the game in Montreal, and just a lot of other topics from his first year in the league. And we really want to let this interview kind of stand on its own. So very short banter today. Uh, I want to get to the interview pretty quickly, uh, chat about a few more things after, but the main story here, Commissioner Brett Frude. Let's get into it. This is episode 99 of Back of the Bird. If you want to sign, this is it. You're mad, your magic, you're as hard as a gun. You want to play with fire, consider this. You'll chase the thrill if it's worth the hit. You never ever want to work for it. Take your first ride and run, baby, run. You got a spine of steel and a roar of thunder. Yeah, you make me drown, yeah, you put me under. You love it. back back of the bird episode 99 i mean we got to go with the one of the best owners in the history of sport and one of the greatest ones ever play the game no also holding holding katoni at hopkins i believe yeah <laughs> i didn't uh, ball. He I was gonna, nine for the lakers, I, doesn't he i think so what's that i think he wears 99 for the lakers Tony. There you go. Holden Tony in the summer or Wayne Gretzky. I wasn't talking about <laughs> But uh, we're, again, brought to you by Cottage Springs. Um, these guys, they do everything for us. Um, and like I said last episode, we're going to have some new launches, um, some new social media stuff kind of coming out um, That that's going to be, you know, just different winter things that, that they're doing. So we're excited about that. Keep your eyes peeled um, and go to your LCBO liquor store in BC or wherever you get whatever you need. Um, just, just grab those cottage springs. That's it. Whatever you need to get through the, the, the hall. Wherever you get, whatever you need. That's a, that should be the new slogan of the LCBO. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, let's just dive into it. Polly, what's going on? Not a buddy. Just, uh, yes. Yeah, second week down at training camp, couple of exhibition games played in one of them or scrimmage, I should say. So again, it's always, 
I think again, you guys can test. It's always nice to again start going against other people. You're in the drills. It's always tough. Like you're going against your own teammates, guys you know, guys you don't know. But again, it was nice to get down to Vancouver, play against some other guys, kind of get those competition juices flowing, and then you only got one. You only you got the vet treatment, eh? Only one of the two. So funny story. Um, quickly. So yeah, again, we had a game at five and then we had a game at seven in the morning the next day <laughs> and in the morning yeah and then we were I flying out i want to file a grievance on your behalf yeah it just i mean it is what it is but uh so i think we went through the lineup uh the night before and patty was just like you know we're going to try and get the, the older guys veteran guys in the first game and we don't really want to play them back to back so it's kind of like okay I guess I fall into that category. Then uh, after the game, there was uh, one guy who was playing back-to-back, um, was on the fence, potentially hurt. So Patty Coyle comes in, and he's like, hey. And then he looks at me, he's like, oh, I don't even want to ask you. And then he's like, can you? And he like went out of the room, he's like, can anyone else go? I'm like, I'll go tomorrow if we need. I'll do it. So anyway, the guy was fine, so it was fine. But yeah, it, it was nice not waking up at five in the morning, trying to like the breakfast place where you know, we wouldn't get couldn't even get eggs before the game in the hotel. Tough one for the boys, but uh, teams grinded it out, so it was good. Good game actually for seven in the morning, to be honest. I yeah, I mean we're talking high point alum Connor Robinson sticking a five spot at, at seven a.m. Um, that's uh, I think uh, our coach, our coach from High Point, um, took a little bit of credit for that one as well, saying that the the reason that happened is because the six a.m. practices. So um, we had a good we had a good laugh about that. Um, but Donnie, how about you, buddy? What's going on? Yep, <clears throat> all good. Uh, back in Canada now for the the next little while, at least uh, if not longer. We also had our first uh, training camp, or our second training camp, excuse me, first uh, scrimmage. We ended up losing by goal. Uh, to Philly on Sunday, which uh, wasn't helped by the fact that we ran the six on five play for me and I dropped it. Uh, so that would have been nice to no. maybe not, maybe have gone to OT. But, uh, you know, like I told my the guys on my team, next time we use my catching stick. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good to be back. Uh, really, I thought a great interview with, with uh, the commission this episode too. We've... Um, you know, we've had a lot of good ones. I thought Joel Watson was hilarious. Reducci was super cool. I think we've had a good, really good start here to season three, but um, really insightful. And just two things I want to say quickly on the commish. One, um, the fact that he took so long to learn and just like that attitude I thought is really respectable that he didn't just kind of come in and start mandating things. And then two, uh, he asked us some questions towards the end of the episode, which I just thought was cool. Uh, you know, I don't think you would see many people in that position uh, do that. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that conversation. And um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but after like the rookie of the, uh, you know, the rookie of the year thing, he texted, he actually personally texted me, which is, uh, you know, I'm sure he did for all the other guys as well, but I just thought that was kind of a cool, uh, you know, a cool little uh, note and he just seems like a guy who really cares about it. And um, yeah, appreciate him coming on the show. Yeah, we got um, some fun. This is a really fun conversation and I want to encourage um, anyone who's 
you know, maybe sometimes listens to this banter, listens to an interview and hears a lot of nicknames or different stories. And um, it may not be, you know, something fully relatable for you. This is the episode you want to listen to if you want to understand, you know, the direction of this league, um, the structure of our leadership and and the plan moving forward. And, and um, it's just really exciting, especially, you know, for us three to sit here and, and have this conversation with the commissioner for him to take time out of his day um, and and give us the lay of the land. And, and I mean, how often does, does the public get full knowledge of what a plan is for a, for a professional league, right? Like this is, these are things that are typically behind closed doors. Um, this is uh, it's fun access that we've got here. And um, you might get a little sneak peek into a potential couple, uh, couple places for expansion um, or maybe talks of. So this is, uh, it's definitely something that's worth your time to listen to. Obviously, you know, this has come out now after the announcement that uh, Toronto and New York are playing a neutral site game in Montreal um, another big step for the league. Um, and, you know, just as a, a guy that throws, you know, gas on the fire from my perspective in terms of this PLL NLL feud, it's an all time timing thing that I adore, um, that we're doing neutral site in a new city after they announced their cities. No offense, Donnie, Donnie did not endorse this message. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun, man. This is, uh, this is a really cool conversation. Um, but I, I guess is there anything else we want to kind of touch on before before we send it over? I got a few things for after, but I think let's kick it. Uh, let's let okay. this the the interview stand on on its own. Beauty. Um, I guess quick. Yeah, I didn't even tell you what I did this weekend. We had a, we had a practice in a game. Same old. Whatever. We're in camp. <laughs> oh. um, no one cares. Right. No one cares. No one cares. Pass the mic. <laughs> yeah, like get this guy out of here. He's talking too much already. All right. This interview is by, brought to you by Lucky Penny Media. At Lucky Penny Media, we are a full-service marketing company without hefty agency pricing. We understand your brand is everything to you, and working together means everything to us. You're more than just a client. <laughs> You're a partner <laughs> and a teammate. Our philosophy is simple. You grow, I grow, we grow. Here he is. Commissioner of the NLL, Brett Fruit. All right, we're back. Um, we are pleased to welcome our guest this week, um, a recurring guest this time around. Um, again, obviously been doing a ton of work um, with the league. You've seen him around, um, but again, we're, we're pleased to welcome Brett Fruit to, uh, to Back the Bird. How are we doing? Hey guys, glad to be here. Hope you're all doing well. You're hanging in there. Yeah, hanging granted, in there. Through, granted through training camp right now. Everyone's surviving so far. You join uh, commission. You join a, a small list of repeat guests on the show. It's an exclusive list. I think it's only two or three people at this point. So it's uh, it's good to have you back. Jeez, I don't know if I should be honored or that's ominous. One way or the other. <laughs> no, all the other guys are still doing really well. Yeah, yeah, everyone's good. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, we'll we'll kind of just jump right into it. What um, you know, I think the last the last time we talked, um, part of the conversation we were going through was that you were you were doing getting into some coaching um, with your son. How how did everything uh, how did everything play out there? Yeah, well. I got into it about 10 years ago, maybe 12, but uh, I can't remember the last time we spoke. It definitely keeps me busy between coaching the high school team and both my boys' clubs team, club teams. 
thankfully, uh, one of them is, is done playing clubs. So I've moved on to the other one, which will free up some time, but it, it definitely keeps me busy and is probably my only hobby in life coaching. So it's a lot of fun though, for sure. That's good stuff. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of work through, you know, again, obviously based on our last conversation, we worked, we covered a lot of stuff. Um, but I think it'll be good to, to chat about, you know, maybe the different things going on. Um, you know, obviously there's been, there's been quite a few announcements, you know, some hirings in the, in the league office. So we'll work through all that stuff, but, um, you know, kind of just, you know, general questions leading up to, to this season, what, um, what has you most excited for, for, you know, the NLL season to kick off? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited just to watch you guys compete. First of all, right. It's like that, what we all work for. We want to grow the game and certainly grow our fanship, but you know, being in the trenches, it, you miss the actual competition piece. I'm sure you, you guys have actually been in the midst of it in training camp, but even from my standpoint, coming from the, the team side, I always loved, you know, you, you work your butt off during the week and then you get to win or lose, compete, fight um, in, in those moments. So for me, you know, aside from obviously all our strategic goals, growing fanship and, you know, we, we can go over the kind of the gambit of all our verticals and our commercial pursuit. It's really, I'm excited to, to get out there to get to games. Um, I'm going to be in Vancouver for opening weekend and, and, um, and you know, right, right in the season uh, on fire to start. How many uh, how many games were you able to take in last year, and, and if so, like what were kind of like your surprises from from those games and kind of from the league in general? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I live and breathe it, right? So we just talked about when I'm when I'm not coaching or we're not you know all working together collectively to grow the league. I, I spend a ton of time on the road. It games. Uh, I, I think probably the cadence for me was every other weekend, kind of a couple times a month. And um, saw, for the most part, I think I saw pretty much every team play in person. Um, I didn't go to every venue. We'll be kind of checking those off if I didn't make it to a venue last year. I'll make it to certainly there at the beginning of this year. Vancouver's one of them. Didn't make it out there. Um, I, I think one of the big takeaways, just traveling across North America to all of our venues and you guys, you guys have lived it. So this will be no surprise to you, but for me, it was, it was pretty unique going to a venue like Halifax, um, which, which you guys have seen how crazy of an atmosphere that that has become and, um, pretty rapid fan base, but a bunch of college kids, right? It's like, it's like guys that you know, that look like John, right? Just got out of school. They're ready to go. Um, pre-game is, pre-game is at Halifax. They're drinking beers, having a good time. And um, it's probably going to be a long night for most of them. And uh, they're loving it, right? And maybe not endemic lacrosse fans, just a bunch of college students. So pretty cool environment there. But then you, you kind of work your way to Ontario, um, which obviously all of you guys um, firsthand know how you know interwoven box lacrosse is into the fiber of your culture there and you go to a toronto game and uh 
you know, that you're there a couple hours early and kids are lined up against the glass looking for autographs or for you guys to throw a ball over and behind them is their dad, behind them is their grandfather. And I'm sure it's how you guys all grew up, right? It was, it was part of family. And um, it, it's, you know, that to me, I guess, I, it, the corollary for me growing up was like going to a minor league baseball game. You know, in America, you kind of get that generational fanship. And then, um, and then you just go, you know, 60 miles south to Buffalo and you're getting into my core stomping grounds. And it's, it's a lunatic, avid sports fan. And it doesn't matter if they've picked up a lacrosse stick, have ever seen it or not. Um, they're going to throw the jersey on. And, and, and it was like when I compare it to like a Halifax, a, a older demographic and they're either wearing a bandits jersey or a camouflage um and we're having a good time with their buddies and just you know looking for championships so you know three cities right there and just three completely different demographics and that gets me really excited for the the potential of this league because i don't i don't know that we we can we can really target to any sports fan in north america and I feel like that's unique, right? It's that modern sports fan and, um, you know, our product, I think, you know, I, I know we're all biased, but it's pretty electric and it's fast paced and it's physical. Um, and then certainly the, the game day entertainment at some of these venues, you know, has a whole layer of, of great stuff. So for me, just going to all these venues and getting ready for this year, I, you know, if I had to take away one big takeaway that gets me most excited, it's just the, the diversity um, and passion of our fans and knowing that we really can attack any market and hopefully lure in, you know, millions, tens of millions of folks over the next few years to watch our league um, and grow with it. I just want to, uh, I just want to go back to something you said there when you said uh, kids that look like Donnie, were you saying me and Dan look old or yes. what'd you mean? Yes, he was, <laughs> he was <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got, you guys are looking good, right? I, I'm, I'm got, that's where I'm wearing a hat because I'm bald and I got a great beard. Um, it was just more knowing that he, he, you know, he's a dominating rookie out there. So by nature, he's going to be younger than all of us. Okay, um, okay. I just want to so clear that up. I, pre- I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on the great grenade there, and not bringing my hairline into it. That was. Uh, <laughs> That was that. That one felt that one felt good. But um, hey, a couple I, I think, years, you guys will be right here. Yeah. Every time uh, me, me and my brothers go home, we 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 give my old man a, a hard time. He's rocking the George Costanza look, and every time we every time we chirp him, he's always just says, "You're looking in a mirror, buddy. This is going to be you in no time." So it's uh, it's around the corner, that's for sure. Um, but you know, obviously, talking you know talking about last year, kind of moving into um moving into the this off season and, and the things that we've seen going on i think one big thing obviously recency bias here is it, that's that's come out as the nll and box um so maybe walk us through you know behind the scenes how how did this idea come to be um you know maybe in your own words talk about uh, what the goal is with it moving forward and and how it's how it's going to roll out yeah, there's there's multiple layers to it, um, but at the the root of it is just growing our game and reaching new fans. Um, certainly, we want to do that in strategic markets, 
but I, I don't think we're alone. This isn't innovative in that, you know, building from the ground up and kind of being organic is, it has huge results and we've seen it across many of our brother and sister kind of leagues. You look at, you know, what NHL's done and, you know, NFL with flag and, you know, you kind of go down the line. So for us, we, we certainly want to build avid fans, um, not only continue to do it in our existing markets, but be proactive in building it out across North America and feel like getting sticks in hands is is a really easy and good way to do it. And we can grow them early, right? If we've got six, seven, eight-year-olds that haven't touched this game and they're in gym class and can have some fun and do it within an environment um, that isn't too complicated um, and has an easy curriculum and they can go out and whip it around. And then that product is tied to our league. Like at the end of the day, yes, we want them playing lacrosse. We want to grow them up the ladder but we want them watching you guys on the weekend too, right? So some of it comes with the programming and the tune in and the communication. And I know you guys have seen kind of the community rollout, which is innovative. Um, and some of the thought process behind that is to not necessarily have just this agnostic NLL badge, you know, like I've got on my shirt here, right? Um, that might be foreign to a new nine-year-old in St. Louis that had never played lacrosse and it's like you attach the NLL badge to it. Well, I don't even know what that is, but you, you attach a cool logo with a bear and the rhythm and have some decals going and build some fun around it. Um, and, and that all will obviously be tied to our league in different ways. So it's really about just creating kind of this fun community in these areas um, that don't already have a team. We'll build some merchandise around it and it'll all tie back certainly to the to the mothership. But um, if we're successful in doing this, all of a sudden you've got, you know, across North America, thousands and thousands of kids touching sticks, um, being communicated by us, talking about our league, um, giving them an avenue to watch it and getting eyeballs on our product. That's great. Um, and I, I think it's, I mean, especially from, from, you know, the uh, team aspect, it, it's these individual logos and things like that that you talk about. It seems like kids really grasp onto stuff like that. Right. And they've got pride in their team. They're going to be wearing their stuff around. And then at the end of the day, kind of, you know, become a walking billboard for the league at the same time, um, which I think is, is a good approach. Yeah. And you know, if we're able to do it right, and this isn't necessarily going to happen in the short term, but we look at, you know, kind of the, the college box tournament that we had. And then you look at some of our junior NLL events, those type of things, as opposed to just looking at kind of the hotbeds and the same teams. The goal would be we, we now have a pipeline. And um, I, I'll just use, because I'm here in Charlotte, I'll just use Carolina as an example. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to uh, bring a team up to the track and they can be called the Carolina Cobras and enter a U-17 team in our junior NL tournament, right? So now we do have a name that can be attached to it. Same thing with the college box series, right? Take take all of our native Carolina kids. I think about my, my kid, right, that would love the opportunity to play and we put a team in that tournament, call it the Carolina Cobras. Um, Charlotte Cobras, excuse me. So I think there's opportunities too to, to utilize those brands in ways that foster growth for us. It, 
different levels along the pipeline. Yeah, that's unreal. I think I think one thing that's like super interesting about the whole thing is you've had teams like teams throughout the history of this league try and do that just in their local market, but you've never had it come from the top like you. It's always been, you know, we'll we'll expand to the city and then here you go guys try your best this is like kind of again putting the the horse before the cart now and again like you say we're just we're going into a little grassroots place and we're just fostering now with like cool logos i think that's like one of the coolest things i've seen is that it's actually coming from the league going to different places already kind of putting this like cool logo swag and like you say now you can attach that to so many different avenues, which is super cool. College, junior NLL, like whatever, like you say, you can kind of do whatever you want with it, but it's already like in there. And I think that's something that's totally unique and different than we've ever done, which is cool from my my perspective. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And and certainly the team's worked hard on it. And I think to your point, it's it's getting everyone on board and having someone leading it right and we'll we'll internally have the team and then you can have consistency across all the markets not just our target markets but as you said our existing our existing franchises um and there's some who do it really well and I, I mean you were in you were in one of them and 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 now we've um obviously dan's going to be there now rochester right has like done well I, i'd say vancouver is is pretty awesome um relative to taking on kind of their school program and then you know there's different levels of sophistication and success across them but if we from a league cool best practices from like you know buffalo rochester area and and then vancouver and then put our own spin on stuff um we're working with see powell on the curriculum so really it'll be customized Speed plus, we'll call it, because we're working with him on some nuances specific to our game, and and I think we're going to want to build in some sixes influence to it as well. So I think uh, that customization and then best practices, and then the, the as you said, the ability to lead from the top, hopefully will will garner success across all the markets. Switching uh, switching subjects uh, slightly, one of the other big changes we saw in the offseason was the unified standings and the changes in the competitive schedule. Um, what was kind of the focus from the league on that front? Um, you know, I thought maybe like, I, I thought it was an interesting change. Um, I, I think reception has been fairly positive on it, but uh, just kind of curious from from you and your office and, and your team, what was what was kind of the, the focus on that? Yeah, I think it's a litany of things, um, and I don't know if I could prioritize them um, in order of what was most important. But uh, I don't know my fir my first few weeks in the office last year. I remember a couple people saying, you know, the questions about expansion and you know what's going to be our next city, and then the second word out of their mouth was, "Well, it's got to be it's got to be somewhere in the West." Um, and I'm like, what, what, what the hell are you talking about? Like before we could even get into it. And it's like, when you, when you, and this is not the sole reason, but we'll, we'll start going down a couple holes here, but it's like, when you just think about expansion is one conversation. Um, you, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself right from the get go that it's gotta be 
here. Like when we look at expansion, we want a, to have the strongest owner possible, right? Just, um, not only financially, but business sense, passion, competitive competition, competitor sophistication and how they're running their business. Like we don't want to be able to say we only can have an owner in these States. Right. Like, so we throw that in the bucket Then we want to be able to go to a market that can absorb our sport. You guys have seen it over the years and you go into some places and there just isn't the volume or density of fans that can really take it where we need to go and put 20,000 people in the house. Um, you know, nine times a year. And as we hopefully maybe grow over the next several years, more and more. So we want to look at the demographics and the ability to absorb. Um, and, and then, you know, so that's just quickly from just kind of an expansion standpoint, you don't want to be pigeonholed. Um, and then we kind of go down the, the list. It's depending on the year. Uh, I think this presents us the best ability to have parity. And just when you think about who makes the playoffs, it is going to be the best eight teams in the league. It, like, because there's no excuses, right? Um, it's, it's XYZ team didn't have to play Buffalo three times. Um, and, you know, same, same thing in the West, right? Everyone's playing each other one time. And then the, with the four black teams, we've been, we've been, I think, very pragmatic and smart about those to continue to create the parity. And I feel like when we get to the end of the regular season, um, there'll be no excuses. It's like these are the top eight teams. They deserve to be there. And um, so that's important. And then uh, as we just think about commercially where we want to go and feel like we're unique uh, versus many other sports, we're just a true North American property. So when I think about commercialization and telling our story, um, I just think kind of East and West mitigates some of that potential. And I think really the word continental comes to mind uh, and, and it's important for us to differentiate ourselves with others. And this, this gives us that opportunity, you know, talk about our TSN relationship. They love Canada on Canada. This opens up more Canada on Canada games. There's just, I, you know, I probably have about 30 um, reasons why I think this makes sense. And I'm sure there's folks that can come up with a couple why it doesn't make sense. And you just kind of weigh, you know, pros and cons. And in this case, it felt like there was just so many great reasons to that lended itself to heading in this direction that it, that it was time to go. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's great. Yeah, it, it's really awesome. interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, very detailed, detailed answer there. Um, I kind of my uh, my connection just was a bit laggy there for a second, but um, you know, kind of touching on some some changes or some things we saw last year. Um, obviously, the outdoor game was something that was that was pretty cool to see. Um, you know, for both fans and attendance, and and then you know to see it on social media and, and pushed out everywhere. Um, is that something you know? Games of that sort, you know, maybe just different one-off events. Um, you know, I, I think the year before there was the Vegas, like a game in Vegas before Vegas got there. Is there, is that something that fans of the league can kind of come to expect is, um, something, uh, something else rolling out in terms of kind of special games? Yeah. Uh, 10 pole events are huge and a big strategy for us going forward, especially if we want to be the next major league and be in the same conversation is, you know, folks like the NHL, NFL, 
Um, really gives us an opportunity to cut through the clutter and uh, showcase our product in unique way. Uh, you know, thankfully, Joe Sai and his team out there were just obviously really influential in that outdoor game and doing quite honestly the the majority of the heavy lifting um if not all of it um, we, we certainly got behind it and and promoted it but um it, it was a huge undertaking just logistically and I, and I think a huge success big big uh big fanship out there i'm sure you guys probably watched it on tv it was pretty cool awesome day out there um, yeah. but for us you know this year when we thought about the outdoor game um it kind of was when we were weighing that it was okay we potentially want to go to neutral site city and um continue to tell our unbox story and find a unique way to do that so that's kind of where we shifted our emphasis certainly for this year and um it's obviously um we're, we're really excited about that potential and, and the excitement it'll bring to the league I think, um, you know, obviously touching on that and, and transitioning to it, it's a good little segue, um, you know, after, you know, this podcast was dropped, it'll press conference, um, you know, will have already happened in, with uh, with Montreal. So maybe maybe kind of touch on, you know, where the idea came behind having, you know, a neutral site game there um, and, and how those conversations started and then, you know, the execution factor on it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, we always hear the word expansion and that question comes up and, um, I, you know, at least for my first year, the, the focus has really been on our existing teams and learning the environment and getting the games and you know, the, the litany of things, institutional knowledge I needed to gain. Um, all that being said, you know, we certainly want to continue to grow as we look forward and that necessitates having conversations with different folks around North America and just kind of understanding a, their appetite, um, for our game, understanding their fans and really doing our diligence. And that really was the start of the kind of conversations with Montreal is just casual conversa conversations with the Canadians, maybe last spring sometime, um, where I had the opportunity to just introduce our league, and talk about our product. And, um, they were, you know, I think really excited to learn more. And uh, as we thought about this, this potential event um, and looking at an unboxed series, I called them back up and just asked Montreal and Canadian if they would be interested in uh, looking at kind of co-marketing an event up there. So the, the idea was born and, and then we started getting into the weeds pretty quickly. That's unreal. So literally just started kind of from like a casual conversation. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, the Canadians um, calling saying, I want to be the next owner of this league. Um, it was just kind of us kind of proactively speaking to them. And, and I'll be honest, a lot of people have been gracious with their time and wanting to learn about us. They're hearing more. They're seeing us in the news. I feel like even just, like our unboxed launch, right? It's all about generating news and, and putting us at the forefront of, of the cycle. 
um, not only do endemic, but non-endemics. And this was just that scenario is just a great conversation left there feeling, you know, they, they're, you know, obviously a great group um, doing some special things up there. If when the timing is right, let's go back and talk to them. And as we kind of flush through, where do we want to have a neutral site game? It was like, you know what, let's, let's give our friends up in Montreal a call. And um, it was a couple more phone calls and then a, a visit up there and uh, spent some time in Laval at the, uh, their hockey game there. And, um, and we're moving quickly. It's one of those things. Sometimes you just kind of jump off the cliff um and i'm hopeful that there's a parachute on all of our backs um but like if you just wait around it's like we could have waited till next year you know it's a lot of work we're not we're not an actual event you know company here we got a lot of things going on and it's just like we, we've got to go we've got to run with it i think this will be really good for the league and uh so it was quick moving, and uh, now we're running an event, putting it together, and pretty excited about it. it. It is. It's interesting when you think about it that way. So I guess my question, you know, with, and it may not be fully sorted on this side of things, but when you play a neutral site game, you know, you th- I'm the first thing that pops into my head is all the, you know, the members of these actual local teams. So you know, if a game's in Rochester your ticket sales crew, um, you know, your event people, everything going on at, at a typical game day is locally sourced. Now, are you bringing in people from those teams or is that going to be something that's kind of league based that you guys, like you said, are now kind of taking the lead on running an event? Yeah, it's a good question. I'll be honest with you. I'm still figuring out a few of those answers. Um, yeah. But the majority, majority, majority of them we have handled. Uh, so Montreal, the Canadians itself, have one of their entities is called Eventco, and they basically put on events at Plots Bell and Bell Center, and they're putting on concerts and they're putting on their hockey events, and they're going to be a it's a joint venture with them. So when you think about just ticketing in itself, like everyone's going to be going um, to the Laval Rocket website, event oh, sorry Eventco website, which is the the Rockets on there, and would buy a ticket as part of their ticketing platform, it's Ticketmaster. So they have the infrastructure there. So like that's one silo that they're, they'll oversee. And then, you know, you think about turf um, in the, you know, just like to your point, there's a, I, I have a running list of, I think I've got probably 90 things right now of like, who in the hell's doing this? Um, and is it, is it, us, the league, is it event coke slash Canadians? Is it New York? Is Toronto going to lend some help? Um, we have, uh, I have a meeting Friday morning just to talk about the game day kind of entertainment. Who's going to be, you know, that run a show. Think about from the minute a fan gets there up to the minute they leave and it's going to be bilingual. So the majority of the fans there are French speaking. Um, so we're talking Jumbotron to shooting t-shirts to national anthem to you know player introductions how does all that look so yeah it's um it's a handful but it's uh most things in life that have uh that reap really large rewards typically are a handful and necessitate work and energy right so we're prepared for it and we'll uh, it'll be a shared exercise with with all the constituents and 
hopefully when uh, the guys are on the floor, um, get to experience it, it's going to be a A plus effort. And then uh, obviously it'll be on um, RDS, uh, French speaking channel, and then TFM game of the week, and then ESPN plus. So the majority of people across Canada and the U.S. will have the ability to watch this. So we've, we, we've got to set our high bar for ourselves and execute against it over the next couple of months. Unreal. Love yeah, it. that's exciting. Well, if you need some in-game entertainment or halftime entertainment, we know a pretty good uh, we know a pretty good band that would uh, that would gladly step up and do that for you. But um, you know, you talked you talked about, and it's a good little segue. You talked a little bit about just like you know whether it's Ticketmaster, um, you've got the Evil Shield shirt on. You know, coming from your background in NASCAR, obviously corporate partnerships is a huge part of how that sport functions as a whole. How how have you kind of used that skill set to transition it to, you know, marketing our league um, from a corporate standpoint? And, and how, what kind of challenges have you faced um, when maybe dealing with companies that don't entirely know what, uh, what our league is? Yeah, good question. Um, I, having partnerships for us, in both short and long term, is so vital. And, and I think kind of the, the common thought process is it's just revenue and we need the revenue coming in from these corporate partners. But honestly, from my perspective, and I feel like I've learned this over, you know, two decades on the NASCAR side is what's really important is to get partners that are engaged with us and have some type of authentic tie. Um, And they truly whether they um, love the sport already or we feel like they have the capacity to love it, those are going to be the most important ones because it's, you know, when I think about the potential for somebody to do a national commercial um, with our athletes in it, it's, it's somebody that on a digital standpoint is producing content all the time with our league and players and telling our story, that's how we're going to get more fans, right? Like if we just singularly from a league think we can do it alone, um, it's it's fairly naive. It's really finding partners. And that's why the TSNs and the ESPNs are so important, right? But it's, when I use partner, it's, it's pretty expansive. If we're able to find the right partners um, that can be with us for a long time and kind of build equity together, then we're going to grow exponentially quicker than we would under any normal circumstances. So with that, it's um, it's really been a process of building out these assets and what we can actually offer for these partners that are meaningful. You know, the, the traditional, when people think about kind of traditional sponsorship, you just think about kind of, uh, eyeballs and you know they call it kind of dots and spots right it's it's more of the media buy i'm going to buy a billboard or i'm going to be on your turf because hundreds of thousands of people are watching for us and and myself and the team and um it's really kind of building other avenues to activate that are unique and authentic so i'll just use the example we've talked a couple that we've talked about so unboxed right so that's a great opportunity to integrate a partner um, that really lo- think about all the potential partners out there that love community involvement and they want to target kids and moms right in communities and that type of growth. 
somebody can own our whole unboxed program across North America. And then you're building content with the kids in the schools, right? Like, so these are real kind of tangible things. It's not just a billboard somewhere. We just talked about our tent pole event in Montreal, completely unique. Somebody can own an event that we're, that we're going to promote for several months and then have the kind of dynamic show, bilingual show. Um, so it's, it's really building out kind of different assets that I wouldn't consider the traditional ones, like the turf, you know, the, the turf or a jersey patch or dasher boards. It's, it's different ways of creating content. And to your question of just like, how is this resonating? with partners out there i'll be honest with you we're pretty early in that process because it's taken you know I'm, I'm a little over a year and then we've got some new hires um that have been here you know several months it, it it building out this stuff in an impactful way that can live into perpetuity and be sustainable takes time so we're we're honestly just within the last couple months in the marketplace really in the marketplace having impactful conversations and they're going well, and, and I feel confident over time we're going to be able to to be successful in bringing them in. But it's like it's about it's like anything else. You got to build relationships. You got to understand um, everything you possibly can about a potential corporate partner. What are their challenges? How can our assets provide solutions? And then it's just relationship building. And over time, you can you can foster these partnership deals, but they, they don't happen in a month. Um, but we're, we're excited to finally have our assets and out there digging right now. That's good stuff. I mean, great answer. Um, you know, I, I think we, you know, with the step of the unified standings, um, you know, I think the last time we were on, you know, the idea of moving towards a more full-time league, um, obviously that's something that's, that's the desire of any league to do um, that's in our position. But is there, you know, is there plans in your mind to kind of slowly roll out and, you know, maybe add games, um, you know, every year or, or, you know, make the schedule longer in terms of months or um, is there any kind of consideration, consideration like that going on at the, at the league level? Yeah, for sure. Again, um, not something that can happen in a year, but we, we built out like our five-year plan and five-year plan um, definitively has more games o- over that time frame. And, you know, it's not only just games, it's, it's teams as well. And when you look at the ability to, to really grow enterprise value and, and look at, you look at media rights deals, you look at partnerships, eyeballs, uh, spreading our wings across North America, it just necessitates growth um, across the board. And, and certainly having more home games in these markets, more opportunities to showcase you guys, um, you know, our, our superstar of the league on TV, um, I think ultimately present the opportunity to grow that value. So, you know, utopia. Yeah. We're in a situation where, you know, you guys are, are sitting in, you know, whether it's, whether it's Dallas or uh, Denver or Rochester, you guys are in there in the market, right. Um, Full time and getting paid accordingly and all in and working within the community, working with sponsors, there, growing the league um, playing more games and, you know, we've got a, 
we've got an environment that can allow for that. And uh, that, that certainly is a long-term goal, but it, it's, I don't want to say baby steps, but it's pragmatic steps. Um, and I think a lot of what we're doing now is just building the league and hopefully positioning ourselves um, day by day, month by month, year by year to get to that point. You kind of, you kind of mentioned like you had like a five-year plan. Like when you came in, was it like, do you have like a 12, 18, 20 months? Like what does like the next 12 look like? Was two years? Like kind of what, what was your timeline? Like what kind of were your goals in a, in a time timeline fashion, I guess? <laughs> yeah. I, I think mean, when like, I first got sorry, it, so like, you don't have to give them all. I'm sure it's like, again, another hundred no, or ninety things. I don't, I, don't, I didn't have them all. I don't have anything to give you there. I, I didn't have them. I was just trying to get, go day by day. Um, I still am. I think it, it, for, for, for many of these days, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think the, honestly, the first several months I didn't sit there and put together, like, here's the plan. I didn't know enough, you know, yeah, like, yeah, just kind of learn. Yeah. yeah. Lacrosse, <laughs> I played lacrosse. I love it. I've been involved in it, but learned pretty quickly that box lacrosse, the NLL, this ecosystem was extremely foreign to me. Um, so, you know, one thing I knew I could check the box with is I, I was going to be passionate and something I love every day to wake up and be part of, right? So that hasn't changed. That was the easy part, um, which isn't necessarily easy for everybody else that's getting up in the morning. But um, I, just honestly, several months of just, just evaluating, meeting, understanding, uh, still right now, just like when you think about our governance, CBA, um, just gaining institute, institutional knowledge, it's Every day, every call in mind, I'm, I'm learning something, you know, like I, I was on, um, I don't even know what the hell day is it Wednesday yesterday I had a call with, um, Reed and Zach, right. And love talking to those guys pretty frequently because it's, um, just understanding their perspective and, and obviously which, which trickles down to all the players in the league, but it's not just that perspective. It's just then the institutional knowledge. This is how something's working. And it could be it's something as simple as talking about sneakers to meals, right? Just putting in the whole whole deal versus just the competition side, and then we'll have back and forth, and we'll be talking about marketing and um, player involvement, and partnerships. So it's just, and and if it's not them, I maybe you know have a call with an owner who's telling me what happened ten years ago in this situation. So just a, just a massive amount of learning going on that that I expect to continue for years. Um, so that's one piece of it. And, and so finally, I'd say probably after about nine months, I was able to, okay, I, I've got a pretty good grasp on kind of the financial and the business model. And now we can truly build out like a five-year plan. Um, and so I'll backtrack one sec. We of course have an annual budget and kind of plan that had some strategy to it last year, but I, I started in September, right? So it's like shit, the season's starting up and Yeah, you're already kind of behind the eight ball, really. Yeah. It's just you're you're you know, you're you're kind of uh, drinking out of a fire hose, but um built out the five year plan, which we completed um, at the beginning of the summer and then this year's kind of budget and strategic plan, like the strategic plan, it's not just financial, but it, 
it's it's everything, right? It's it's the marketing stuff, it's the licensing stuff, it's looking at gaming, it's looking at technology, everything. Um, I feel you know this year I've at least got some stable pavement under my feet relative to to that plan. So I don't really get into kind of eighteen twenty right now. It's like we've got our annual plan. I've got our core goals um, for this year we want to accomplish. And then all of that aligns with the five year and is hopefully kind of growing to bigger things as we get going. And, um, you know, you, you, I, I probably could give you six or seven, eight of our core strategic goals. And then obviously each of those goals trickles down to, you know, hundreds of tactics. Then how tactically are we trying to achieve each of those pillared strategies? And, um, you know, like it, I'll just use it like, growth like measurable fan growth like that that is a with kpis right with answers and targets that is a goal of ours to grow our fans a tactic is a tentpole event right so we are we are definitively going to grow our fan base by going up to montreal we're going to have hopefully pack the place and have eleven thousand people in there that maybe have never watched a game consuming us and then being on the French um, language station there with our game of the week, feel like that's going to, you know, hit a couple other hundreds of thousands. So tactically, are we accomplishing at least some of that, you know, achieving fan growth? And I, I'd say yes, or hopefully, right? That's the goal. So, and, and we got to make sure that, you know, we can't do a thousand things because I, I do believe if if you if we don't have a ton of people, we're pretty vertically integrated. Um, I don't want to start half-assing anything, right? So it's like pick some things that you really think are going to be impactful, and then all in. You know, everyone's got to get their hands dirty and get the job done. That's good stuff. Um, but I think it, and again, it kind of relates back to it. You jumped on it early um, when you were talking about Halifax and and just maybe the different tendencies you saw out of the out of the fans that were at those games. Um, and I think it's something that you know maybe we've seen in some teams over the history of the league. And um, but it's been something that I think players have talked about for a while as well. Is is trying to create almost you know these grassroots or direct partnerships with with universities in the area. Um, because like you said, you don't exactly have to be a fan of lacrosse or no lacrosse to be entertained by it. And, and you know, what better person to have there than a, than a college student who is legally of drinking age to be having some drinks and um, and enjoying it. Like, is, is that something that would be initiated at, at individual team level or, or something that can be kind of pushed by the league? Yeah. So, I mean, from a league perspective, I, I feel like we're working hard and we are responsible for collective marketing and kind of rising the tide there. And, and I, you know, global promotion of our sport, we're going to be launching our new brand in a couple of weeks, which I think you guys will be excited about. And then we certainly want to understand best practices. Like, like why are there 19,400 people in Buffalo? right consuming the game and why are there lesser numbers other places so i do believe it's incumbent on the the league to to get, dig in analytically and provide this feedback and 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 hopefully help grow all of our markets by by key learnings kind of moneyball approach there for sure but 
certainly the teams are left independently to promote and target their markets. And, you know, you just using your example from a, from a university standpoint or local youth programs or high schools, it, it's right now the responsibility of the team itself to get in the trenches and, and grassroots and organically fill the place. And to the extent we can help along the way and, and provide those best practices, we're going to. Now, all that being said, um, we just going back to our Montreal event. We're, we, the league, are going to get in those trenches. Um, and we just, when we think about McGill um, and some of the opportunities there, and then already um, understanding when we're back from a grassroots level, all of the, the local programming, we, the league, are going to take the lead and making sure every Hopefully, every human being that has touched a lacrosse stick or has at any point shown any keen enthusiasm toward it is in that building. So I think that'll actually be a good test pilot for us to just see how challenging it is. What are the roadblocks? What are the bottlenecks? Where successes we had in that program? And if we're able to, to pack that place, kind of what were the wins and the losses and share that with all of our teams and hopefully it's transferable to, to more crowds in, in all of our buildings. I know the, uh, I know the, I work in the Aon office here in Toronto and um, I'm sure that whole Montreal office will be, will be in attendance because I think they still think that they have no idea really what lacrosse is, but there, there's some intrigue. And I think that, I think that's a, that's the fun part about going to a market like that is and and kind of being the first you know time being there in a while it'll it'll get some uh it'll get some eyes you know wide and, and some people out there so that's exciting um uh, again, you're, are you jealous yeah. you're not still on new york just for that friday night after the game <laughs> that, listen i'm not gonna say you read my mind but it's uh I've 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 done a few work trips to Montreal and and let's say I've I've tested out a few different local spots um, and there's a, there's a few that I think if I know my guys on New York like I think I do I could I could pick off a few spots I think they'll be hitting the they'll be hitting after that game and they may be if the game is a Friday I'm sure those guys won't be leaving until Sunday midday so um, that's uh, that's exciting for them there is some jealousy lingering around just market research Danny. It may yeah. may not have realized it at the time, but but now we know it's it's market research. That's exactly it. I was just getting ahead of it for the league. Uh, I I based on my market research, I absolutely approve of picking that location for a game. <laughs> well, you know, I was up there a couple weeks ago doing my market research, so I concur. <laughs> Those casual conversations started just doing some. Yeah, now, listen, we're gonna have to. Uh, as as you know, now that you've been on a few a couple times, we're gonna have to get you on another time, and and we may have to start our kind of you know off screen negotiations to make sure that you know at least uh, one of the three of us is is involved in this next neutral site game in a in a fun location. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm it'll be easy to brainstorm them, right? It's like well, so let me ask you guys. All right, so you each each got a location. Where where are each of you going right now? Next game, next neutral site. We'll start. Nate will go uh, age before beauty. Polly, go ahead. Um, I'm going somewhere hot, so I'm gonna go two places. I do Scottsdale. You can't go two. That's not the question. <laughs> hey, age, because I'm old, I'm allowed to pick two. I'm a little bit senile, so I can pick two. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Arizona, Scottsdale, or Nashville would be my two. 
neutral site games. Scottsdale is so Arizona is interesting, right? Where the the Coyotes are playing at that Arizona State yeah. arena. Yeah, brand new. I've been it's I've been down to Arizona. Yeah, I've been yeah. down there in the last few years, and uh, it's just such a cool place. Like Tempe, Scottsdale, all in that little mix is just unreal. And now that place, like obviously, you, you know, you maybe want it to be a little bit bigger, but like, yeah, it uh, it's a happening spot. I think uh, I think I I think I would go Chicago. That's what I would I think I would pick Chicago. For me, Don? it's Nashville. I think, but I'll go off the board because Paul already took it. Uh, I'll go that new building that Steve Ballmer's building in uh, in Los Angeles for the Clippers. That apparently is going to have a million bathrooms and big seats. I don't know if you guys have read about that, but I like that, Donnie. You're he's thinking got of some like spaceship building coming. Oh, actually, the Vegas Sphere. How about that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's uh, that's cheap to get in. To get yeah, in yeah, to the Sphere. Make something happen. Yeah, uh, I can tell you guys. I can tell you guys just out out of the, there's a couple of those markets that that have shown some active interest in our sport, but um, most specifically it, Chicago. Um, it is, is a place that has, uh, when I say a place, it sounds like a, a city can provide interest. We'll call it, um, individuals and, and the municipality itself. Um, Chicago has, has definitely shown interest in our league. So, um, would, would certainly be up there as a potential Nashville is always high on the list. I can't, um, I can't wait to I see like who, here, uh, here. Here. I, when hey, listen, when I'm freezing my ass off in Montreal in February, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this conversation, and everyone's gonna be like, "Where are we going next?" I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Arizona, Arizona. Yeah, that's where we're going. <laughs> Think about it. Right during the waste management tour, you just have like a million people there. Where they go from the waste management to lacrosse, and it's just it's done. Ready to go. You might want to go. You might want to go lacrosse to waste management. Just speaking from my uh, my insurance background here, I think we want to eliminate all kind of liability risk. So I, think yeah. might, I think we might want to flip flop that. And uh, the, the real reason Paulie wants Arizona is because he pushed it too far with his wife this year and took too many golf trips. So he needs he needs to start tying the golf trips into something else. I had to go. Needs- we had a game. <laughs> yeah, market research. <laughs> Hey, let me ask you guys a question, and then and then I'll let you I'll let you continue because it's just um hate to go back to the Montreal, but uh, the the excitement's there. So you guys are all kind of Ontario based, right? Background. So um, Toronto's playing in the game. So one thing we're, we're you know you wrestle with is you know going to any game from a fanship standpoint, you want you want there to be competitiveness with the within the fans. Um, do you think the potential um, competitiveness versus the, the Toronto, Ontario with Quebec will play a part in this game? Like, so if we've got some, if we've got 7,000 locals in there, are they rooting against Toronto? Or are they de facto a New York team? How do you guys see that playing out? I think my, I think my initial reaction is that you're going to have – nobody outside of families or Ontario people that have traveled to the game cheering for Toronto. I think it's, I think they would just immediately pick New York, but. 
Uh, I agree. To, I, to I, cheer I agree. for. I don't know. That's my thought. Yeah, me too. So a strong New York crowd, um, with the exception of the, the families that come in. Which I think, well, I think if that happened, which is super interesting, would make it even better, to be honest. Instead of just like everyone kind of just cheering for everyone, it actually would kind of make it cool that, you know, maybe they're getting some booze or getting some heat from uh, the local yeah. fans. Yeah, that's what we want. That's why I was seeing what, what if you thought we would have that energy. Um, and in neutral side game, New York officially the home team. So uh, you guys are kind of trending where my thought is, is you'd have a lot of teams gravitating to New York just because of that Canadian Maple Leaf rivalry and just yeah. from yeah. the, the province. So I guess my question for you, this is logistically, we, and if it's not figured out, we can take this part out of the podcast, but whose turf do you bring in for that game? That was on his yeah, 90, so we, list. I've got it figured out. Um, we're, it's uh, neutral turf. Met with a uh, met with a turf company, and we're going to be laying down um, new turf in that arena and uh, with a f- fresh paint on it. And that was one of my visits when I was up in Quebec. So um, it's going to be a good looking green neutral turf with uh, with league branding and. Um, certainly the the moniker of our event. So pretty excited about that. Awesome. That's yeah. Even, even, I mean, just small things like that, right. Is, is it turns the, it turns the page um, from maybe that old league that we knew that, that didn't, you know, look at attention to detail and maybe just kind of tried to find the, the little things that they could do a little bit easier. But like, I mean, if you're a fan and you turn on a TV, that's, in Montreal of Toronto playing New York with Toronto turf would be a little confusing. Right. So I think doing things like that the right way helps, uh, it, that, that helps even just like people, you know, legitimize what's, what's happening here. Yep. For sure. Awesome. Um, I, I, I mean, again, we've, we've gone through a lot. We've had you for a while. Um, is there anything Donnie or Polly that we want to, uh, we want to finish off with? No, I think this has been great, Kamish. Again, thanks for the time. I know uh, you're a busy man, like you said. Um, again, we could probably keep you here for three hours, but we don't want to do that to you. I'm sure you got start checking out, checking off some of those uh, to do lists. So we really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, anytime, guys. En- enjoyed it. Wish you all the best this season. Look forward to seeing you guys. Certainly down the road. Um, I think. Uh, I think I might. Jonathan, where are you playing? You guys, where's your we're first We're in Vancouver. Game? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're in Vancouver there yeah. first night. Yep. Yeah. So I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, um, sounds good. Yeah. I, I, I Honestly, it's part of the the job I enjoy the most is getting out there and, you know, getting to either the shoot-arounds in the morning or at the game a couple hours before and before the guys are in complete game mode and having conversations and meeting everyone and, um, it's important for me and, and something I enjoy doing. So look forward to getting out there, seeing you guys. Wish you the best of luck and excited for uh, what will hopefully be our, our greatest season yet. Awesome. Well, thanks again. We appreciate it. Um, I know the fans appreciate it too, just listening to this and getting some insight behind the scenes. So it's uh, we appreciate the access too um, because I think that's pretty rare in sport. So, again, great time talking and, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. All good. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. All right. 
What an interview with the commish there. Um, again, very appreciative of his time, the peeling back the layers to kind of look behind the curtain here and, and see what's going on in the league. It's really cool. Um, and again, for, you know, maybe you're a fan of Montreal um, that's just heard about the game coming to you um, in February. And, and uh, you know, if we can give you a look inside the league and a kind of a synopsis of what's going on, then I think um, I think this episode is a great one for, for you to have listened to. So we're excited about everything going on. These conversations, I mean, every time we talk to him, it gets me juiced just because there's just so many things kind of going on and, and you know, it just feels like we got the right guy um, at the at the helm. So, um, Donnie, I know you had a couple of things you wanted to talk about after uh, after the interview. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I got put on the spot there about the expansion thing. The L.A. answer was stupid. So I'd like to take uh, like a do over <laughs> on that. Um I did want to just mention a piece of news, uh, you know, for folks uh, in Canada. Uh, Nepean had their second uh, bid to become a junior A team uh, denied. Peterborough and Kitchener voted against it. Um, and boy, did they out Kitchener and Peterborough. Yeah, they mentioned oh, it in the statement. It, uh, so basically how this works, uh, from my understanding, is it, uh, 90, 90% of – uh, teams have to vote for it for it to pass. So one can vote against it and it passes, two tanks it. Um, so just kind of a situation to monitor. Uh, you know, I certainly understand there's, there's economics on, on both sides. Uh, teams have to pay to get up there. But, um, you know, from my perspective, it seems like MPN should play uh, in junior A. I would imagine you guys see it the same way. So just kind of a situation to monitor and, uh, yeah, just hope it uh, you know it gets sorted out. The opportunity they had here to piggyback, if there was you know knowledge of this Montreal game happening, there's potential for a team in Ottawa. Like what? Are, there's so many times where we just get in our own way, and I, again, the economics of it. Sure, I don't know what the cost of it. Like I, I would have no idea what to guess. Like. Or, or now what that means in terms of like you're giving up every weekend or you got to pay for hotels to do double headers. But you can't tell me that individuals or people that are running teams are now deciding that instead of them investing the time to go you know play against these players that are from Ottawa because Ottawa is p- producing fantastic players. Now these players have to individually d- drive themselves to go get to these teams. And they're invest. They're the ones that are now on the on the 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 shit side of investing the time, um, or investing the money. Like to me, it's just it's getting in the way of development. It's getting in the way of of producing more players, more interest, more community based stuff. It just it's tough. Um, but yeah, all time outing on Peterborough and and Kitchener. Um, and I I would, I mean, if I'm them, release why you did it. Like talk about like okay like here's the reasons like it just doesn't make sense um, and if you're if one of your reasons is we didn't want to sacrifice our weekends or we already put too much time in then I don't know if you're the right person to be working in there um, but you know obviously if there's economics involved that I don't know about sure I call me an idiot but for now I'm gonna be grumpy with you yeah and by the way if you want to come on the show uh, anyone on on either side of this um, you know we certainly don't yeah. want to misrepresent any. Any points of view? I, I chatted with Callum uh, Crawford a little bit uh, about some of the economics of it because he's part of the group in, in the PN and 
Um, so, you know, maybe we'll get him on, but I don't want to get into that now just because I don't know it well enough. And I don't want to misrepresent one side of it, but uh, just thought it was worth mentioning. A couple other news items just around the league here quickly before we uh, finish up. Uh, ESPN broadcast schedule came out. So 10 games across linear channels, which means they're on regular TV. Uh, most of these are on ESPNU. Uh, they're all on ESPNU except for the very first game or the, the first game of the year, which is Philly Riptide, which is on ESPN2. Uh, Going to have Brandon Glasheen, Mitch Belisle, Ashley Miller uh, on the call for that one. Uh, Belisle, obviously, one of the best in the biz. Uh, hopefully, we can get him back on the show here soon. Not going to go through all the games. Uh, just looking at a lot of Fridays, uh, a couple Sundays. Uh, Panther City's in there twice, which is obviously nice uh, for me. And then the NLL Top 50 came out this week as well. Um, so it started with the goaltenders in order. It was – this is voted by the coaches and GMs, mind you. So in order of one to five, it was Del Bianco, uh, Dylan Ward, Matt Vince, Doug Jamison, and Aaron Bold. Um, <clears throat> all the other positions are coming out in the coming days and weeks. So uh, wait and see for that. But cool little uh, – Cool little news initiative, uh, I think, spearheaded by the league. These are on NL.com. Adam Levi is doing the writing. Uh, excellent, as always. I got a question for you guys on this. Um, they're going to release top five face-off guys. Do you think that's strictly face-off percentage or overall playability of the, of the face-off specialist? I mean, that's a good question, but I'm going to go with just basically winning percentage. I would think it's face off. That's where transition and all that stuff come. I'm just gonna say straight face offs. Yeah. I don't know. I would I would tend to go the other way. Uh, we'll see. I would imagine it's gonna be Withers number one because he's essentially a lead at both. Um, but I guess that'll kind of be the tell is whether he's one yeah, or Withers, not. Yeah, Withers at five. So. <laughs> yeah. Withers just, just off the list at six. Okay. I'll be listening to this. I got him at five. Yeah. I shouldn't have him at five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, we covered a lot here. Is there anything else we want to chat about before we wrap it up? No. I mean, that's uh, – I think that's good, man. I think, again, in the next com coming weeks, rosters will get cut down and you no know, teams will start taking shape. But, yeah. Could you imagine if Boston? Could you imagine if Boston Levi actually does the entertainment for the Montreal game? <laughs> That'd be fucking. I mean, sick. they're right there. They're in Ottawa. <laughs> they might as well. Yeah. I didn't even uh, think about that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'll. I'm gonna send commission email. I was thinking more of Celine Dion because you got the bilingual, but Celine <laughs> Dion would be electric. That would be sick. It's all coming back to me now, just leading onto the floor. Oh, baby. Hey, um, the five-year five plan is just to pull the entire budget for one party. Just for, just, for all right. One. What's your five-year plan? Uh, Celine Dion is singing the Canadian Celine anthem Dion. at the game in Montreal. <laughs> what, what's your guys? Did you guys have any other ideas? <laughs> yeah. Tell me a better plan. Um. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pass that information along. See if we can uh, see if we can get him there. He'll be pumped. But the other little tidbit, um, exciting that he announced in a couple of weeks we're gonna have a little brand re relaunched. Um, I thought that brand relaunch was the fact that the NLL logo is now in French. That's what I 
understood it as, but apparently there's something else coming. So Love I'll it. leave you on that cliffhanger. But um, that, that does it for episode 99. Holy shit, the next one is crazy. Um, we're going to have to really think about who we want to get on for this one because it's uh, – it's it's a high pressure scenario and and now we're going to run out of numbers to to pick for for the episode so we might have to start back at zeros um but again 99 of these things um it's been a few couple years i don't know three like three years now i don't even know how how long it's been but this has been a blast um we're appreciative of everyone that listens to this everyone that's jumped on board everyone that's told a friend about it supported boston levi supported cottage springs bar down, whatever. Um, we're doing the Grammy speech. Thank you stuff now, but, um, we appreciate it all. Um, and we're excited to, to chat with you guys for episode hundred next week. Peace.